This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny local enterprise offices for business, financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. Hello, good evening and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell and I'll be with you until 7 o'clock this evening. On the programme coming up with the consultation process about traffic changes underway in Kilkenny, we talk to John Hurley of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and Industry about Kilkenny's sustainable urban mobility plan. What's the role of business in making adjustments on how we get from A to B to C in order to tackle the climate emergency? Nikki Hoyne will be here to talk to us about retail post-COVID and how her Nikki coin collection has spread to high-end stores in Los Angeles and beyond. And we'll be talking business insurance, what business owners should look out for when renewing their policies, and the common pitfalls that happen for businesses when they're making an insurance claim. But first, joining me in studio to cast an eye over business stories, the business environment, and even to tell us a bit about their own business, is Nora Ryan, owner and managing director of Barrow Training and Consultancy. Nora, you're very welcome to the bottom line. Thanks, John. Delighted to be here. Yeah, well, look, we've heard a lot about you over the last couple of months. You've been busy on the awards front. Uh, tell us a bit about that. Uh, Female Entrepreneur of the Year. Congratulations. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I've been blessed. Uh, I just took over the business, John. I bought from the previous um, owners in July 2021 and I've had a whirlwind of an 18 months since I've taken over. And back in November, we had the uh, Female Powerhouse Female Women in Business uh, Awards with the local enterprise office in Carlow. And I I was very lucky to have won uh, not one but two awards so we won professional services in business and then I myself won the overall female entrepreneur of the year. Yeah now you moved um, to Carlo you wanted to stop commuting to Dublin and, and you joined the company as an employee and then you took it over. Describe the transition from paid employee to the person who has to worry about the business 365 days of the year? You know, it's just been first of all, I love it. I, I love working in Bar- Barrow. I've loved working there since the day I joined. Um, I came from a completely different industry in, in Dublin in twenty in January 2015. I knew nothing about the training industry. Um, got the opportunity to work in Barrow and to, to cease my commute, as you said, up and down to Dublin. Loved it from day one um, and when Covid hit then in 2020, the previous owners Joe and Marion Manning decided that they were going to retire and I got the opportunity to purchase the business. It was something that I was very passionate about. I felt I had a I had a, a, a large overall uh, view of the business anyway. I was doing a lot of the management um, uh, with regard to finance and uh, with regard to operations. The train, engine room of train, the business really. Training manager, exactly. Liaising with the tutors, liaising with the, the clients and organising the training. Um, and I just felt that I could bring a little bit more to the table as well. I could, that I could, uh, do something with uh, such an amazing company. And how's so, business and how's COVID changed? Uh, I would presume bu- online is a huge thing now. Yeah, we were lucky insofar as we had a lot of our courses already online when COVID hit. Um, and business has, has grown. It's getting even better and better. Um, since then we have put all our courses are now online. We do very little, um, person to person, face to face training. There's not the same requirement for it anymore. So our courses now are online with blended learning or virtual training um, and we've also formed another uh, sub company with uh, some peers other peer companies in Cavan in the Cavan Monaghan region having won some successful contracts up there in the areas of construction studies welding and floor and wall tiling and what 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 other areas do you provide uh, 
training in as well. So, because every business needs training of some sort. Yeah, childcare and healthcare would definitely be our two biggest um, subject matters. Uh, special needs assisting is our biggest selling. Uh, course, it's it's nonstop. There's a constant demand for that. Childcare and healthcare. Then after that, and then we would also do an awful lot of health and safety and management. Um, all our training is QQI accredited, level five and level six. So we're a busy little office. Yeah. Um. Talking about childcare, it's it's hugely important uh, as a business in its own right, but also as a service to business because many people working in businesses, large and small, are working parents, and so the children need to be looked after. In the news today is all about recruitment and retention in, in childcare. What's your perspective on that? Or? Yeah, I mean, look at our children are our most valuable assets and it's the it's the one area, it's, it's, a, it's a major bugbear for many people. I mean, the minimum wage is €13 Euro per hour at the moment and recruitment and retention is huge in the childcare industry. Um, like childcare workers are passionate about what they do, you know, as they have to be. Um, but what we find is, and what we, you know, we have employers coming to us and saying, do you have anybody on the books or is there anybody doing training at the moment that might be interested in coming to work in our facility? Because they're moving on, they're moving on to, spe- to become special needs assistants or they're even moving on to become teachers where the, uh, the pay grades are higher and where maybe working hours are more suitable as well. So mm-hmm. it's a, it's a huge area and it definitely needs more, uh, government assistance and a huge, um, input of cash injection into the sector. Yeah, talking just about business, uh, recruitment and retention is one area. Energy bills are another. What's your perspective on, on on those? We were talking about it briefly before we came on air. Yeah, I mean the business energy support scheme um, is, it's it's a help um, but and they have increased it like they have changed it since the 1st of, uh, 1st of March. When I put in the initial um, claim back uh, back in January, it was 40% of the, of the difference of your bill um, they've now increased that to 50% and they have extended it until May, which definitely helps business. Um, I'm a small services company. Uh, we don't have manufacturing. We don't have large machines and that. And still, you know, our ESB bills have just skyrocketed um, to we're, we're paying well over double what I was paying this time last year. Yeah, because, of course, you're, you're benchmarking it against a, a period when people weren't in the offices as much. And many people are falling outside the... the um, qualification parameters but still their electricity bills are pretty eye-watering. They're eye-watering and but they have to, to be fair um they have it they have addressed that now they are looking at it they have extended it they have um the monthly limits have been have been extended from like say for a small business like myself from 10,000 to 15,000 and as I said the, the claim then has gone from 40% to 50% which definitely helps they're still eye-watering they're still it's still a challenge uh, trying to you know trying to cover those bills but, but people we have to hack on. Yeah. Um, there's a date coming up pretty soon, I think in the next week or so, which you'd like to talk about and you think is important on, on business yeah, calendars. Yes, so absolutely. Um, this is my passion. So Friday the 28th of April is the National Wellbeing in the Workplace Day and anybody that knows me uh, knows that HR is my passion and the wellbeing of my girls, uh, the Barrow Girls, as we got, as we all call them, as they've become known, is paramount in my, in my organisation. I want them to feel that they work in a safe 
safe, secure environment where there's there's no bullying, there's no tension, there's no uh, there's no dissension. Everybody has their own uh, remits, and we work really well together. We're a small team, but we all help each other when we need to. Um, so at the moment, any of the girls that have children have the facility to work in a hi- the hybrid model. Um, say for the last couple of weeks, while we they were on Easter holidays, children were on Easter holidays. The girls could work from home all the time. They're not required to come into the office at all. Um, on a give, any given working day, if the children are finished at two, three o'clock, the girls can go uh, collect the children, take them home, do the homework, give them the dinner, and then they log on later on in the evening and you know do another couple of hours. And none of that is monitored. It's all on trust. So, John, what I was really trying to think about then is how can I offer that to employees that don't have children and don't have childcare costs? Um, and I wanted to be fair to them and to offer to be able to offer them something. So I have re- recently spoken to them, and for the months of June, July, and August, we are going to trial the four-day working week. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and there's been talk about that, you know, other people have trialled it. What are you hoping to achieve out of it? Uh, and what kind of preparation are you doing? Um, you know, because June is just down the line. Presumably it's not just a case of going, all right, OK, off you go. You have to do a bit of prep. Yeah, we have to do a bit of prep. Uh, we have to put a few systems in place. Um, what, what we've done is, I mean, as I said, because we are such a small company, we all muck in and help each other when we need to anyway. Um, so the arrangement that it's going to be is that the girls, they'll only be one off per day. There won't be any two off at the same time because we are so small we couldn't afford to be you know to be two or three members down in any given day and um, the girls have are organizing their own rota in that regard nobody is going to be told you have to you have to take tuesday and you have to take wednesday it's as it suits them themselves so it's week. not monday to thursday it's still any full, day. yeah it's yeah, still yeah, week so, so yeah it. somebody might be off monday tuesday wednesday friday it doesn't matter you know as long as it's only one day one person each day and I don't mind uh, what way they, they'll organise that themselves on their own rota. Yeah, so um, looking ahead to the year ahead, what are you looking forward to and what plans have you got for Barrow Training and Consultancy? Yeah, well at the moment what we're looking at now is uh, in the area of childcare um, education. So the new ELC programme is being rolled out in September. Um, so the current model of training in childcare level 5 and level 6 is being deactivated by QQI and we're looking at new uh, models of, of um, offering level 5 and level 6. So um, Donna and her team are working on that at the moment. We expect to be submitting that application to QQI next week and hope to be in a position to roll that out in September. So in that um, area, then we have been actively uh, speaking with the community employment supervisors because this affects them greatly and, and their learners and their, their their employees on the schemes. So we're keeping in constant contact with them and hope that uh, we can, you know, give them, still give them continuity at the moment. We can't offer training in that area because it's going to be deactivated at the end of the year. So we need to make sure that whoever's on their tra- our training courses at the moment, that they're certified by the end of the year before the new um, system comes in place. Great. Well, Nora, thanks for joining us on The Bottom Line and we look forward to hearing about you winning more awards in the years and, and months ahead. One question to finish off with. You're talking about a four-day working week. We're talking about you being the owner, managing director. Are you planning on doing a four-day working week yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a chance, John. That was called a rhetorical question. I wasn't really thinking, but uh, I think something uh, told me that the owner uh, is on the whole time. It might be a six and a half day working week you might get to. Or uh, M- My girls actually say to me, when are you going to take a day off? You need to take some time off. So yeah, yeah, yeah I, look, I, I will look at your own that. advice. Yeah, but yeah. look, uh, thank you very much uh, to Nora and we'll talk to you again. Coming up on the bottom line after the break, we're going to talk to Sean Manickel from Manickel Insurance Property Claims about all you should be on the lookout for when 
insuring your business. Don't go away. We're back after the break. KCLR, the bottom line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny local enterprise offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. You're very welcome back. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock when Matt O'Keefe takes over the hot seat with the Tierlawn Farm programme. Lots of interest, so do stay tuned to KCLR throughout the evening. Now, an issue that's come up a lot over recent year, weeks indeed, and probably years as well, is the whole issue of under-insurance. I know people who've gotten uh, letters from their insurance companies saying, be careful about under insurance and I know from speaking to people in business, particularly smaller businesses, that many people don't know where to start. So we thought it would be a good idea to get someone who knows about insurance. I'm delighted to be joined on the line by Sean Manicle, who's from Manicle Property Insurance Claims.ie. Sean, you're dealing with many businesses, often in the claims area, but is under insurance something that's topical at the moment in your view? Yeah, John, thanks for inviting me on the show this evening. Um, yeah, John, underinsurance is a massive, massive issue out there at the moment. It's affecting, um, it, it, it used to be maybe one in four, one in five people it was impacting. It's, I would say at the moment it's um, less than one in two, 50% of uh, uh, properties out there are underinsured at the moment. It's, 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 it's such a huge problem. Um, I'm I'm involved there as a, an advocate for homeowners and businesses when they're involved with a property damage insurance claim and I'm involved in settling claims and getting them getting them through for them and taking the stress and hassle out of dealing with the claim. But it's, it's coming up to this issue of, of under-insurance and there's significant amount of money being taken off the claims. Um, like for example, I just dealt with an escape of water claim where there was a burst pipe in the attic and it caused significant damage to the property. There was over uh, €100,000 of the damage done to the property and there was 50,000 euros deducted off the settlement value of the claim uh, because of the under-insurance on the property. Uh, like, and that's not, a, that's not a, an amount of money that, uh, that people can absorb or they can deal with. So people are effectively self-insuring themselves like up to you know, 30, 40, 50% of their, of their home values by not getting this, this issue dealt with properly. And is that, a call, is that caused by the fact that the property is undervalued or the amount of work that they're insured for and the excess or the starting point is, is not correctly tabulated? Or where, where's the problem coming from? Well, I, I suppose the, 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 the problem is, 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 is I suppose it starts off that they, but the, the amount they build in inflation uh, and the cost of rebuilding the property has dramatically increased. The Society Charter of Tavares Ireland um, issued new um, guideline costs uh, per square per square meter for rebuild costs, um, and that they've jumped by over thirty percent uh, since September uh, September twenty 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 two. Sorry, and people haven't increased their their sums insured in line with that, and that's where the, that's where the big problem is now. Yeah, and um, I presume many people are reluctant to go about it because they equate um, an increase in some assured with their insurance premia, which are undoubtedly already chunky enough, going up even further. Yeah, well, that 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 is a huge concern, and it it, it can be it can be a reason why people um, just say they put it on the um, put that on the later base. We're not going to think about that at the moment, and uh, but it's something you really need to face into. Um, it, I, <coughs> In my own my own house, I increased the sum insured in it by uh, by eighty thousand euros, and it was just an additional uh, twenty euros on the premium. 
so it didn't it didn't have a dramatic increase on the premium like yeah so I know uh, every euro is a prisoner for everyone and we need to 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 uh, be conscious of uh, saving where we can but it, this is not a saving like it, it can cause such a financial stress on people if they if they don't have their property property don't have their property adequately insured um, it, and there is there is a few misconceptions out there John uh, in terms of you know the <clears throat> They should be insur- people think they should be insuring the property for the sale value of the property, or what what it's um, or, 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 or what the value is according to the um, for the, for the for tax purposes. But it's it's the demolition and rebuild cost of the property that you need to be looking at, mm. uh, and th- that demolition and rebuild cost. The, the guideline for that is is a, a can be got there under the Society of Chartered Surveyors Ireland. If you look up their website, they give a rebuild calculator. And if you know the square footage or the square meters of your property, you can uh, you can just uh, insert that into the calculator they have there, and it'll give you an estimated rebuild cost of the property. And that's what you should be insuring your property for. Yeah, and so from what I was understanding from earlier on, you reckon it might be as high as fifty percent of businesses are way off the mark when it comes to these kind of valuations. How should they go about addressing this? Is it something that waits for renewal, or should people go to their insurance companies uh, between times? Somebody, say for example, listening this evening who renewed their insurance in January and the penny is beginning to drop, what should they do? No, you don't need to wait, wait until renewal. You can you can. Uh, approach your insurance company at, at any stage they, they may charge a, an AP an additional premium uh, because of the additional uh, sum insured put on it but it's um, it can be done at any stage absolutely do not wait till till renewal and it can be done it can be done at any stage it, it's a particular problem um, uh, for businesses and for for farmers as well and their agricultural buildings at this stage because of the price of steel and rebuilding has increased so dramatically as well like uh, now the the cost of commercial buildings is a little bit more uh, difficult to quantify, uh, and that's where they need to get a, 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 an experienced uh, valuation done by uh, most properly a quantity surveyor to to do up uh, what the rebuild cost is for that. So it's um, not a property tax uh, kind of valuation. It's not a sale valuation. It's a rebuild valuation. It's a rebuild valuation, yeah. Mm. The demolition and rebuild cost of the property. like Yeah, uh, and, and rebuild, presumably that then comes into play when you're talking about maintenance. You mentioned water leaks uh, and so on. What other kind of perils should people be on the lookout for where they may be undervalued? Well, I suppose... Uh, for me at the moment, I, I'm dealing with a, a, a huge variety of claims, like uh, from uh, domestic fires to commercial fires to uh, uh, the burst pipes. Uh, oil leaks are a significant one, uh, and one that I come across more and more at the moment, and they can cause huge, huge damage to your to your property. Um, I'm dealing with one at the moment where the 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 oil tank wasn't put on a correct base, and uh, the tank split, and the oil traced back onto the property and it caused over 150,000 euros of the damage to the property. Wow. Um, it's something that people don't really consider the importance of proper maintenance and to look out of their oil tanks to make sure that they're in, in proper order and on a proper base and footing. Mm. Um, Another thing um, that I've, I'm aware of people talk to me about in relation to insurance is the whole relocation in case of um, you know your business does have some sort of an issue and you have to relocate. There's a sum provided. Um, it would be my suspicion that many people maybe just pick a figure out of the air. What way should people provide for that? 
Um, this is the event of a of a of an emergency. You know, you have a fire or you have a flooding or something. Business continuity has to continue, so you relocate, and there is something provided. You know, how do you calculate the cost of that? Well, yeah. So, so if you have, a, for example, if you have an industrial premises and there's a fire and you need to relocate and you you need to the you need to have a business interruption policy in place uh, to cover that. Uh, Typically, that's based on 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 a rate of the the rate of uh, gross profit of the business. And um, so, for for example, like if you have a turnover of a hundred thousand and a gross profit percentage of fifty percent, uh, you're you'd, you'd be insuring it for five five hundred thousand euros. And you also need to think so that 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 covers your 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 loss and gross profit for that period. But you also need to make sure that if the if whatever type of building you are, if you could imagine that it was. It might take 12 months. It could easily take 24 or 36 months to to rebuild and get back in there. You may need two or three years cover. So you can actually get uh, 24 or 36 months months cover for business interruption for for businesses uh, to cover their, their loss of gross profit and the, uh, and to minimise the cost. So to say, for example, an industrial uh, 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 business has a has a large fire. Uh, their turnover is uh, they, they relocate to smaller premises. Their turnover is down then by maybe fifty percent because of that, and that covers that loss of gross profit. Then until you get back into your own premise again, which could take a, a number of years to get back in again. Mm, well, the moral of the story seems to be: don't just tick the box. Think about all the various things. And Sean, your uh, business presumably available to advise people on issues around insurance, property claims, and so on. Absolutely, we're delighted to take a call or take any queries that people have in relation to property damage uh, that, they, that they might have. Uh, it's, it can be very difficult to navigate, and it's important to have an advocate that's on your side when you're dealing with the insurance company, just to make sure that you take the, the stress and hassle of dealing with any claim. Well, look, pleasure talking to you, Sean. That's Sean Manical from Manical Property Insurance Claims, and you can uh, suss out Sean on Manical Property Insurance Claims. Ie. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Nikki Hoyne, who was last in this studio over two years ago. God, it might even have been three, uh, just as COVID broke. She's going to be back telling us about what she's been at since and telling us about the Nikki Hoyne collection after these. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny local enterprise offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. You're very welcome back after the break. You're listening to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell with you until 7 o'clock this evening. Now, I'm delighted to be joined in the studio uh, by Nikki Hoyne. Nikki, uh, we talked to you, I think last was um, before COVID, something like that. And we were doing uh, talking shop and all that sort yes. of stuff. A lot of water has passed under the I bridge. Know. and It's been a big pandemic since. I know it's wild. The last day we were in here, we were it was all kind of starting to kick off. We're all kind of looking at each other a bit sideways. But um, yeah, and you were just back from Italy, which I, was the yes. beating heart of yes. the pandemic at the I'd time. I'd been, um, I'd had my temperature checked. At, I think I was more felt more realistic. I remember Julian Hughes was like, "Oh, it's grand, it's grand," and I was like, "I don't know. I'm not shaking your hands. I'm just going to keep away from everyone." And we were all kind yeah. of imagine we might be able to shake hands for a while. I and know. yeah, oh my. 
my God, it's crazy. But it's we got wild. through it and you've been busy we since did. then. So I had been at that point. So I owned an online accessory store, My Shining Armour. It was hugely successful, very innovative when I launched it in 2014. And about 2018, I kind of just, the innovation was going. Setting up an online store was very straightforward and you know, everyone was doing it. And it's funny, even in pandemic, everyone who was even not doing it definitely was doing it. So I was kind of, I'd learned so much. It was the university of business. Like I absolutely loved it and it was so fun and I got to be so creative with it. But I got to a point in about 2018 where I realised to do the things I wanted to do and to be unique and innovative, I needed my own products. So I had set about kind of researching in 2018 and I was looking to sell my Shining Armour and I started researching shoes, accessories, like that's where I started in the first place. And I, when COVID hit, I put the head down and I said, right, let's do this. Let's do this for a few weeks in March. I'll put together my business plan and really get started. Not and thinking that... COVID was going to stretch Having so long. no idea, yeah. I had fl- I had been travelling so much and it was amazing to just be home in Kilkenny and put the head down and calm down and relax and get onto this project I'd been tipping away at on the side. And by October 2020, I launched with six handbags so that I have, like, so I have a brand now, Nikki Hoyne. It's footwear. It's a slow fashion brand. Um, so hand- sustainability and all that good yeah. stuff, very important. High quality, unique, different, um, and shoes and handbags made in Spain, designed by me here in Ireland. And it's been wild, like in two and a half years. So I launched in October 2020 with six handbags. And it was just, you know, when I look back, I remember at the time I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I had thought, we all thought pandemic was well over by October. I was like, great, I'll launch in October when it's all over. Well, it was kind of debatable, September, October. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we were facing, I think we went back into lockdown like the week after. But you know what, when I look back, people were being cautious. It was a great time to be doing something positive, doing something when a lot of people were reining in and, you know, to be female-led, to be Irish, to be focused on being sustainable, being slow fashion. And it actually was just the press I got and the feedback. People were just excited and it was coming into Christmas and it was unreal. Like, it was wild. And the footwear um, I launched in April 2021 and I was in Brent Thomas in the summer. Like wild, you know, like really. And what was the reaction like when you got it into a store like Brent Thomas, which is about as premium as it gets in Ireland, I suppose. That was the goal. Like that was like in 10 years time, you know, like it was when I would have been in here, like I would have sat down when I started in early in COVID and gone, what are my things I want to achieve? You know, and I was like, I would love to be in Brent Thomas. I would love to be in Vogue. And the other thing, which has just happened in the last couple of weeks is to win a Draper's Award, which is, the the UK kind of industry drapers is the fashion industry you know know how kind of it, they have website and it, they have a magazine and last week it was announced that I was nominated for two of their best Fantastic. like international awards so like, what's it's the wild. secret of so far and so fast because I you were talking know. about 10 years a 10 year perspective so you're not, doing fairly well 
I think the one thing I've learned is like I'm obviously very lucky, you know, that and privileged and have had experience and have support and have the money to do so. But I have the ability is, you know, and that's kind of cringe to say, but it's true. And I think it's having that ability and just going for it. And, and you talked about my shining armour yeah. where you were selling accessories, largely mm-hmm. other people's accessories. And um, what, what were the key learnings out of that? Margin. Like, you know, it's all about margin. And I think I wanted to do fun things, but I didn't have the margin. When you're selling someone else's product, you're getting, you know, 10 after everyone's been paid and tax and everything like you're making less than 10% and right. some products I was probably making nothing on them you know after I did my crazy wild stuff and not to you mention know, paying for your own time then as well absolutely and it just wasn't it just you know I think the one thing I've learned is is you know my shoes are a 200 euro price point and you know that's not everyone's price point but there's I'm not trying to sell 50,000 pairs you know I I'm a small business and I'm trying to just keep it tight and keep true to my values. You know, they're handmade in Spain. They they probably should be twice that price and they're probably same. the similar footwear being made out there to less of a standard. But, but you'd be you selling know. a lot of pairs of earrings to make the same margin. Exactly. Oh my goodness, yeah. You know, like I did a pop-up recently in Dublin and I think I was the third or fourth best sales, but I probably, you know, compared to some of the other brands, I sold a third. Mm. But it's, you know, it's that and I think it's the knowledge. It's all about margin. It's all about knowing your numbers and fortunately I have the business bit as well as the creative bit whereas a lot of people have one or the other so. Yeah because I would imagine designing shoes it's easy to get carried away and yeah. your, your price would go through the roof and, and so on so it must be an interesting thing to mix the creativity with how much the things are going to cost yeah. in product and yeah. to make it's fascinating though and I've been like I don't have formal like I have a little bit I did a few short courses but I also have been lucky to connect with people who are you know, industry long term. My mentor, Olivia, has been in the industry for like 30 years and she has done it all and she's worked in-house in some of the biggest brands in the world. So I was just... That's connect- interesting. So yes. presumably she's had a big bearing oh. on you as well. So merging, margin and mentor, yeah. those are two oh, big things. Without her, I wouldn't be, like, I wouldn't be anywhere. You Can know, we she- come up with a, a, a third M by any chance and we could have Nikki marketing? three Ms. Okay, yeah. <laughs> well, so marketing, margin, I say, is storytelling. And, yeah. and that goes back to the story of... I'm just going for it and I think I'm very I don't talk about sales I don't think about sales sales is absolutely number one but how do you sell things you you sell your story and you tell your story and that sells my shoes by being very I'm not pushy I'm not discount discount I'm not trying to shop 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 I'm just hear my story love my brand come on the journey and I think that then sell shoes. Yeah, so you talked about your 10-year objective, which is smashed pretty much yes. out of the park Gosh. after year one. <laughs> um, what's uh, ahead now? Like, what you know, looking ahead 10 years, where could you see it? Or, oh, or do you even look 10 years ahead? Do your horizons shrink yeah. in once you get the business off the ground? The learning from My Shining Armour was like that as well. Like, I achieved a lot early on. Like, I did the UK magazines and I shipped. And I think by four years in, 2018, I started to get a little bit like, oh, what am I going to do now? And it had become a shop. And I suppose it was said to me, if I want to create my own products, I couldn't really do it under my shining armour because it's a shop. And, you know, Debenhams back in the, or Selfridges or Brent Thomas was never going to 
buy a, a shop's stock, you know, something, a brand from it that was a shop. So that was where the whole start a new business, start a new brand kind of came from. But I really don't know. I think I need to, I'm definitely kind of trying to go, okay, so if I'm achieving these things, I need to shoot really high. And that's what I was doing. You know, I'd love to be stocked ongoingly in Brown Thomas and um, Selfridges. My focus this year is on the UK. So I really, you know, I've always been like, I'm my father's daughter and it's all about like being global. I remember saying that to you before, like, uh, you know, I'm a small business and a local independent. I don't like saying the word small because you can be an independent business and be global. And I've already shipped to 12 countries. And I think for me, it's about finding you know, partners internationally and just going for it and, well, you know, the world's your oyster. Well, folks, you've heard the three M's according to <laughs> Nikki Hoinders, margin marketing and mentor uh, mm. and the sales will look after themselves a lot of the time if you stick with that. Uh, Nikki, where can people check out the Nikki Hoin collection if they want to the get Nikki, their hands on some of the goods? It is online at NikkiHoin.com. Fantastic. Well, Nikki, great to see you again. Let's not leave it so long until the next time. Definitely. And thanks I'll for joining back. us this evening. Thank you. Thanks a million. This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie. John Hurley, Chief Executive of Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce and Industry. You're very welcome uh, to the bottom line this evening. Uh, you had your AGM earlier today. All going well. A lot of formalities uh out of the way and a big issue on the agenda for the coming year presumably is the environment uh, the global energy crisis but bringing it all locally uh, you know how business and society adopts to the energy crisis a big event tomorrow um, the sustain uh, connect the dots and Kilkenny County Council are conducting a public in-person event uh, tomorrow Friday in McDonough Junction Shopping Centre between 9 and 1 and in the market Cross Shopping Centre between 3.30 and 5. It's all in connection with the SUMP, the Sustainable Urban Mobility Plan. It's a very important um, topic, John. It's a topic that gets people quite emotional at times because it involves a change in behaviour, how they use cars, how they get from A to B. It can impact on business. Put it into some sort of context for us. Yeah, absolutely, John. It is a really important issue and I'm glad uh, to be here to remind people to do please take part uh, uh, in the events there on Friday because um, it's really important that everybody's view is expressed but really you can't have a view until you're self-informed of what the key issues are. Uh, I'm not, nor are you, a traffic expert nor uh, a psychology expert etc and how people respond and react to things so we need people's feedback but uh, feedback only that's informed is going to be helpful so yeah the SUMP the Sustainable Urban Mobility Plan is what we need to be doing here in Kilkenny Um Kilkenny Chamber of Commerce is very much involved in engaging this space. We've we've uh, uh, attended and engaged in a lot of the, the workshops uh, that have taken place in the lead up to this and uh, we really you know, want to see it successful um, in terms of the decisions that ultimately are made. They're not going to be just made for the short term. These are long term decisions for Kilkenny's future so we want to and, get it right. And why is such change necessary? I mean it seems to have been working so well but I mean just browsing through 
the associated literature. There's a lot of change coming down the tracks, it would seem. What's the compelling rationale if there is one? Yeah, I suppose, you know, as you just said, it seems to be working fine the way it is. But really, when you talk to people, it's not. Uh, Kilkenny, like so many other towns, uh, is becoming um, clogged up with too much traffic, uh, traffic systems and management systems that are just not working. Uh, We have far more cars. When I came to Kilkenny first, I worked in an office on High Street. And if I was in the office for 20 to 9 uh, before we opened at 9 o'clock, I was guaranteed a space across the street on High Street for free all day. Now, there was far less cars back then than there is now. So we can't do that, nor do we do that anymore. And what we're doing right now uh, won't work going into the future. So what are we going to do? That's the question that we're being put to ourselves. uh, And we need to explore what the possibilities are and what might work best for the Kilkenny of the future. Mm, And some people would say, like, well, ban traffic from the centre of the city and just make it a lovely, pleasant experience. But then again, many retailers kind of would have an allergic reaction to that. How do you square the circle? This is it, you see, and I think there are um, a series of steps that need to be explored. Uh, Something, you know... um so hard hitting like banned traffic um, well then maybe so there'll be you know some positives out of that but also an awful lot of negatives uh, so what we need to do is anticipate if we make a change to something here um, how is that going to affect how what's the ripple effect the domino effect down the road going to be and make other changes at the same time to deal with those anticipated changes so if you're going to um, say cut back on the accessibility for cars into the city centre then you need to provide some some other means for people to actually get access to their offices and to shops and so on and so forth so that they can continue to find Kilkenny an attractive place to come to do their business, do their shopping and indeed just come for, for leisure. Mm. Uh, if we don't, you know, think widely about this, uh, we most certainly are likely to make big mistakes and end up in a worse situation than we have at the moment. We're in a housing crisis though and a lot of people, uh, I hear a lot of people talking about we need more people living in the centre of Kilkenny City and indeed in the centre of Carlow Town and the centre of all our towns but people have cars, where are they going to go and you know if you're living on High Street over a shop you're going to need to park your car somewhere. Uh, This is it and I think the conversation, you've made some valid points there, it's even wider than that because Kilkenny City is in the county of Kilkenny which is a very rural place Uh, and whilst there are some you know, um, dial-a-link ring-a-link bus services they are limited, they're not enough for all of the transport that people living just you know, 10 miles, 15 miles away from the city need to have access to the city. So so therefore cars need to come here mm-hmm. and we need to have a plan in terms of what we do with them uh, when they do come so that it's a seamless and enjoyable and working experience for everybody. And so we have a public transport system in Kilkenny City for example the, the bus which runs on, on two routes um, but you know proponents of more public transport would say that you need to really penalise people uh, in relation to car use to make people use public transport more, to use bicycles more, for example. Where do you sit on that? Do you think we need to make it really difficult for car use? 
I, I don't think we need to make it difficult necessarily, but we need to provide attractive alternatives to car use. And as you just outlined there, uh, buses, uh, cycles, cycling and indeed walking. Kilkenny is a 10 minute walking sis- uh, uh, city as it is for many things. Yet we tend to try and see, can I get a parking space outside the shop that I want to go into? Uh, we all do an element of that. And, and that kind of thing is to be discouraged because it kind of clogs up the system that would otherwise work extremely well. So it really is is a combined approach of looking at what can we do with the bus system that's there to improve it, make it more attractive, should it come more regularly, should we have more routes, uh, and also explore, which I know is part of the conversations, uh, changing to electric buses and so on. Um, And then also... uh, cycling, something which personally I have done a huge amount of cycling over the years but not so much in recent years um, it's not very much a, a friendly uh, environment for cyclists out there uh, and indeed for our own kids when we had them going to school we were very reluctant to send them off on a bike. I cycled to, bike, to school by bike myself but again very different environment. So that, they're the sort of things, that we, the conversations we need to have and the open minded thinking to consider how can we make it better because it's n- no good just to say to someone you can't bring your car and you have to get on a bike and but there the, seems the facilities to be aren't a, there to a, um, a, a school of thought that build it they will come and put in these kind of facilities and people will use them I've seen you know I cycle to KCLR quite a bit and it's rarely enough I'd pass more than one or two bicycles um, people don't seem to be making the, the jump um, how does business play a role in, in that when you know, let's face it, I've seen a bit of mistrust and cynicism among, among the business community about changes to come about. Yeah, and I think that's really a, a key point of what we're saying here, is that we want people to engage with the process. There are lots of opportunities in this process uh, to engage, attend the meetings, get yourself informed, and then you will begin to realise, I didn't know everything that I know now until I started engaging with the process and discovered how take for example cycling can actually work a bit better than I thought it might um, but you, you just mentioned that they're billet and they will come um, it, hasn't been, it hasn't been built mm. uh, so therefore we can't expect them to we be here right now. We have quite a few cycle lanes around Oh that. but yeah they're quite a disaster in fairness the cycle lane goes and then disappears when you get to a roundabout uh, and so on and so forth. The cycle lane is always full of debris on certain roads because it's naturally thrown there by the passing vehicles and so on. So, yes, we do need to improve on those uh, facilities. And indeed, those old cycle lanes uh, are not best practice, seen as best practice in, in the modern world. Uh, there are better ways to do it. You won't see cycling lanes like the Kilkenny ones in any of the countries like the Netherlands and so on, where they're very successful in bikes. It's a different approach altogether, and we need to up our game. And that's part of what the SUMP process is all about. Uh, looking at the business community and the local authorities, the people who are at the brunt of change from a business point of view, you know, change impacts people's bottom lines and so on, and also the local authorities on the other end who have to implement the change and have to meet the challenges of, of climate change and so on. Looking at the recent experience in the one-way traffic, I've found quite a bit among the business community that says, oh, we were told the one-way system was a temporary measure for COVID and it's here to stay. Our trust is a bit undermined. And on the other hand, some within, you know, I'm not saying the council specifically, but in the kind of proponent space that will say, ah, the business community, they're impossible to keep um, happy. They're always whinging about something. How do you move forward through that and how do you navigate forward positively? 
Yeah, and that's a very good point and a very strong question to ask because we all need to ask ourselves that point. Um, we are where we are. We got here through uh, a number of different influences, like, for example, COVID and the need to have social distancing and so on. Uh, we've seen how it's worked and not worked so well. Um, and, you know, there are learnings that we have now that we didn't have three years ago, when almost three years ago when it was introduced. Um, so what we might have started out with, with in terms of intentions might be, you know, needing Things to be change. reviewed. Things mm. change. Times change. Uh, and indeed, people's perspectives change as well. Um, and indeed, people who come to Kilkenny, local Kilkenny people coming to do their business and their shopping and also visitors, be they domestic visitors from Ireland or international visitors, we have to bear in mind what their needs and wants are as well. Or even multinational companies uh, who tend to have a fairly progressive uh, you know, environmental agenda who may want to come and do business here, they're going to require stuff as well. Absolutely and I, I think you, you need only look at two of our, our greatest and newest I suppose, uh, State Street uh, building their new building up there. It's got everything that you can think of in terms of st- sustainability uh, and that is very much the way forward. Abbott are building a new state-of-the-art premises as well and it too will be up there in that sort of excellence. So but both will probably require their workforces to actually drive to get to their locations. There you go. Mm. Uh, absolutely because they will be operating with as much as a 30 and 40 mile radius people coming from um, their homes uh, into work uh, very often by car. So John uh, it's a long debate I'm sure we'll come back to it again these two events tomorrow uh, consultation events being run by uh, Connect the Dots and Kilkenny County Council what are you saying to businesses listening uh, they should be doing around now in relation to the whole debate climate change transport and sustainable mobility? This, my key message is to get involved. This is your business. This is your city. Um, this is your opportunity to have your opinion heard. Uh, it's your opportunity as well to inform yourself if you're not sure about the details. Because if you go to either McDonough Junction in the morning or Market Cross in the afternoon, you will meet with the county council engineers and planners. You will also meet with the independent consultants, the experts on traffic management and everything that goes with it. So that's where you'll get information and it's where you can have wholesome conversations as well. And, and people shouldn't hold to back. Absolutely not. And don't wait for an invitation. This is your invitation. It's open to every member of the public and it really is important that you attend. Okay, John, to be continued. And if you want more details on that, I recommend you uh, Google Connect the Dots and Kilkenny County Council Sustainable Urban Mobility Plan. That's SUMP. That's all we've got time for this week on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you have any comments or ideas you'd like to get to us, you can email the bottom line at kclr96fm.com. Don't forget the podcast. You'll get it anywhere you get your podcasts just search the bottom line on KCLR thank you to all our guests this week Nora Ryan Sean Manickle Nicky Hoyne and John Hurley thanks to Deirdre Drummy who produces the show thanks to John Kane for extra editing this week but thanks most of all to you for listening we'll be back next Thursday just after the news at 6 for more business stories for and about business on the bottom line in the meantime do take care stay tuned to KCLR have fun be careful and keep the pain. The Bottom Line on KCLR. With thanks to the Carlo and Kilkenny Local Enterprise Offices for business financial supports and mentoring services. For more information, see localenterprise.ie.